Welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Welcome. It's good to have you in church tonight. Tone spoke about dismantling perceptions, and we're in the midst of a series at the moment called War of the Worldviews, and that also is about dismantling perceptions. Some of the, Christ, some of the um, mindsets out there about Christianity are that it, it's, a, it's a religion of faith. In other words, it's one of those things that you throw your brain away, and you just got to believe against all hope that it's true. We totally don't believe that as, as Christians. I am a Christian based on the evidence, not believing against the evidence. And in fact, spoke some time ago about how atheism is actually a religion, and it is a religion, it's based on faith that is against the evidence. may touch on that a little bit later on, we'll see how we go. But we're looking at this whole concept of a worldview, because everybody has one. But most people couldn't articulate it, they don't know exactly what they believe, but the way they act is determined by what they believe. The way that they, the values that they have, the way they treat themselves and treat one another is determined on what they believe. A worldview is simply the lens through which we look at life. It's the way that we, we, we kind of try and work out what's going on and interpret what's happening to us and to those around about us. And your worldview will determine um, how you look at things that goes on, wrong. I know some people who've been in very, in very, very bad or trying situations, and because of their worldview, they've been able to sail through those times. And they've been able to maintain a level of peace in their life. They've been able to maintain a level of joy, a measure of hope for the future because of their worldview. Other people I've seen in what you would describe as the best of times, and yet they're miserable, they're, they're lacking faith and hope for the future, and so on and so on. And again, it's a worldview issue. Now, worldview is, the, is what addresses the big questions in life. Okay, what you believe about where you came from, what you believe about your identity, what you believe about um, morality, what you believe about purpose and what you believe about where you're going will affect the way that you live your life. Your life will rise or fall on how you answer those questions. And so what I'm here to do tonight is to, for those that are Christians, hopefully to equip you, that you don't get intimidated when people want to have a go at you for being a Christian. Say, what do you want to believe that nonsense for? We have very good reasons for believing and I think we should be able to put those out there and not get on the back foot and be all intimidated. Because I think you will find that most people have beliefs that, are, that, that, that they don't have much of a foundation for at all. They're living by faith. They're living by hope. Most people's belief system is not one that they've thought about, processed, and, and come upon because of the evidence. It's been foisted upon them. They've absorbed it through perhaps their, their, their family they grew up in, perhaps because of friends and the peer group pressure, perhaps because of the university they went to, perhaps because of uh, the religious culture in which they grew up on. Perhaps they've read a religious book somewhere and they thought, that, that, I, I like the sound of that, I think I'll adopt that. But they haven't necessarily had a broad look and considered the ramifications of what they believe. And we had a look at a few things with regards to worldview last week. We, we mentioned some of those things. We talked about the fact that everyone's got one, as I mentioned. We talked about the fact that not all worldviews are equally valid. We're living in a pluralistic society today. What that means is what you and I are expected to believe that all worldviews, or you, I guess you could slot in that, in that gap, you could say religions or philosophies, that all of them are equally valid. And we looked at the fact there's a bit of a problem with that. Because some people are saying there's no God, some people are saying there's a God, or some people are saying there's many gods, 
And, and, so, and somehow you and I, reasonable, log, you know, rational people, are expected to believe that that is true. How can there be God and no God at the same time in the same place? It cannot exist. Truth is truth the world over. We spoke about that last week. We looked at some examples. That uh, if, you, you know, if you've got to tighten wheel nuts in Australia, you've got to tighten them in India. Okay, it's the same the world over. Truth is like that. It hits everyone the same. You can't ignore it. When you're choosing ice cream, go for it. Whatever flavor you like, doesn't matter. Go for your preference. When you're choosing a worldview, when you're choosing a religion, a faith, it's got to be what's true. Otherwise, you're going to hurt yourself or be hurt by others. And so tonight, I want to continue just having a look at, at worldview and how the rubber hits the road. Because ultimately, what we believe is seen in what we do. I think the last thing I'll finish by saying is, you know, that, that's true to a degree. But having said that, many people don't live totally consistently with what they believe. Many atheists I know are kind of wannabe Christians. And many Christians are wannabe atheists, just when you look at the way they live. Um, and so we just sort of finished last week by saying, just get real. If, if you can't, if, if you uh, are saying you believe one thing, but living totally old, just be real. If you're an atheist and you want harmony and community rather than competition and who dares wins and, you know, survival of the fittest, just give in. Because that's what Christianity is about. That's, what, that's, what, that's how God told us to live. If, if God is not real, well, it is about competition. It is about survival of the fittest. It is about it doesn't matter what you do as long as you get on top. That, that, that's, that's the bottom line. So I want to have a look at just, again, these five big questions of life. I want to have a look at some of the options in those things and then some of the outcomes. Okay, because really when it boils down to it, it's not hard. You know, one of the things that people have been saying a little bit lately about this church is they come, they're able to get what's going on. They get what's being said. And so hopefully tonight, I'm not going to baffle you with anything, um, but what I say will make sense because truth makes sense. Truth is self-evident for the most part. And sometimes people have massive big arguments and, and all sorts of intricate detail in their arguments. Usually it just means they don't really know what they're on about. Um, and, and I think you'll find that some of the stuff that you and I are expected to believe particularly applies at university. Some of the, people, some of the excuses people believe to, to um, sorry, the, ex, the excuses people use to deny God are very, very easy to dismantle. It just comes down to common sense for the most part. Okay? So again, we've got a whole bunch of people in our society today who often haven't weighed up the evidence and by default, because of the pressure, because of wanting to live a life of their own, uh, of their own choosing, they either reject God or they adopt some sort of pluralistic idea that all roads lead to heaven or something like that. But the evidence for that is very, very questionable. So I want to start tonight by looking at the whole issue of origins. Okay, where do we come from? That's a good question, don't you think? Where do we come from? You think a question like that is going to set you up one way or the other. You know, it's going to sort of lay a pretty good foundation. And so what are the options? What options do you have as to where we came from? If you want to make it the simplest possible thing you say, is either God or no God. They're the two options, aren't they? Either the world is here totally and absolutely by natural processes, or alternatively, if you don't have just natural processes, you've got supernatural processes involved. Okay, now just think about this for a little minute. If we have just got natural processes, in other words, something had to start somewhere. That people used to believe and wanted to believe that the universe itself was eternal. Okay, that the universe has just always existed and always will exist. That theory is dead and buried. That, when the death and burial of that made a lot, a lot of people very, very sad. For those that wanted to believe in atheism, many of them did it on the basis of the fact that we were in an eternal universe. This is just the way things are. When they uh, 
began to, dis- to look into these sorts of things. You've all heard of the Big Bang? Yeah, you've all heard of the Big Bang Theory? Basically what that theory, and it's, and it's indisputable pretty much. It's, it's, no one argues with the Big Bang idea. What that basically says is that at some point in the distant, in the distant past, some, you know, there's arguments about how distant, but at the end of the day, at some point, something exploded. All right, now we're living today in a universe that is, if you get a hand grenade, right, and just throw it into midair, it explodes. You'll see over time, you'll see things shooting outwards, okay, and the the explosion area will will expand. If you could sort of step right back out of the universe, all right, and have a look at it, and then it'd be like a little hand grenade exploding, okay, over over a very long time, okay? And so basically, that's what's happening. And if you basically put it in reverse, if you're able to film it, as it happened, and then put it in reverse, what you'd happen is you'd see this universe going from very big and very expansive, going back, 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 back to a small point of something or other, and it had a beginning. All right? It had a beginning. That is a massive, 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 massive problem for anyone who doesn't believe in God. For anyone who does not have a supernatural start somewhere, you've got a problem. Because we know, everywhere it is observed, the idea of cause and effect. What I mean is that nothing happens by nothing. Everything has a start. Everything has to have a, a cause. There's nothing in your world that takes place, nothing you've ever seen that has happened that didn't have something make it happen. You cannot dispute that fact. No one on the face of the planet can dispute that fact, cause and effect. It is a reality in our world today. And yet, some people would have us believe that somehow all that we see came from nothing. I think there's a problem there. There's a massive problem there. By naturalistic processes, all we see is cause and effect. If we are here and there was no cause, if there was no cause, we wouldn't be here. That's that's the bottom line. You have to have a cause to have an effect. We are an effect. Therefore, there has to be a cause. That's, That's fairly logical, not too hard. All right? If you've got naturalistic, only got naturalism, in other words, only got material, only got physical stuff that you can see and touch and understand to work with, you're in big, big problems because cause and effect stops you dead in the water. As a Christian, I don't have that problem. You don't have that problem. In fact, I'll say broader than as a Christian, as a, as a person who believes in God, we don't have a problem because what we're saying is, yes, cause and effect affects all physical matter. There's no known reason, and we've never seen anything do anything other than that, so somehow, beyond natural matter, there needs to be something supernatural. That's, that's pretty easy to comprehend, yeah? pretty easy to understand. Okay, so cause and effect, natural and supernatural. The second problem, I guess, with the whole idea of, of a universe itself, start, imagine if you got it started, all right, what we're seeing is the, the universe is expanding, okay, and what we're supposed to believe, but the thing is, it's actually decaying at the same time. Okay, there's a limited amount of uh, energy in the universe, okay, and once that energy becomes ultimately unusable, and so the universe, while it's expanding, it's actually dying at the same time. Give it long enough, and eventually the lights will all go out. That's the bottom line. That is the second law of thermodynamics. Again, big term, but what it just means is things go from order to disorder. Okay? They go from complex to chaos. Again, we see that all around us, don't we? Okay, you leave your house and come back in 20 years' time. Is it going to look better or worse? You leave your car outside for a while. Is it going to get better or worse? Things always go from order to disorder. 
Okay, that's what we see. That's, that's what science has verified. There's no, there's no known um, contradiction to that law. The Bible tells us, again, if we're looking at an evolutionary, if we're looking at an atheistic worldview, we've got big problems right now. We, we only got to the first question on origins and we're already struggling. You'd agree? We're struggling. We haven't got a, we haven't got a first cause. And then what we do see is, is totally against our theory because we've, we're hanging all our weight on the theory of evolution, which is the exact opposite of what we see. What we see is from order to chaos, and evolution says, no, chaos to order. We've never observed that. We don't see that anywhere. The Bible tells us that this world is in bondage to decay. Romans chapter 8, verse 25 or 26, I think it is, but it talks about the whole world is groaning under the burden of sin. So again, as a, I think as a rational, reasonable, intelligent person, we look, if we're talking about a worldview, we look at, okay, what do these guys believe? All right, what do those guys believe? What do those guys believe? And then we look at the evidence. We look at what's around about us and what's actually happening. Now again, we see atheism, and to me, atheism is, is a relatively, it's a, relative, it's a new kid on the block in a sense in terms of philosophy or religion's ideas. It hasn't been around too long and it's floundering badly, to, to be honest. Because it doesn't have a credible origin. Okay? But for Christianity, again, we see what's actually going on. What does the Bible say? Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God. What do we know about the world? A beginning. What do we know about the universe? A beginning. Okay? We go on, sorry, we move on. And um, we look at Romans. Talks about the fact that things are not going from chaos, sorry, from order to chaos. Sorry, chaos to order. They're going from chaos, order to chaos. Sorry, getting the other way, aren't they? So again, this, as a Christian, as I've said before, this is where our worldview comes from. It's a biblical worldview. A Christian worldview comes from the Bible. So we read what the Bible says about our origins, and we look at the evidence. We say, does the, the physical, testable, observable, the stuff you can debate, talk about, you know, look right into, does that stuff match what the Bible says? I've given you two examples already, without even really going, this is a massive topic, this whole area of origins. There is so much evidence that we could go into. You know, you could look at the fact that, the, the fact that this world, this, this universe, which seems to be just um, perfectly tuned for us to live here. You look at a whole bunch of stuff, you look at the, the, the composition of the atmosphere. If it varied too much, we wouldn't survive. Look at the distance from the moon to the earth. And again, if it was larger or something, we wouldn't survive because of the impact that would have on our planet. And there are so, there's hundreds of things like that that it's, just, it's almost as if this world was prepared for us. It knew we were coming and was waiting for us. Again, that's what my Bible says. So, so far, if you're, if you're trying to come up with a, a, a view on life, if you're trying to say, you know, what's this all about? Well, already just by asking yourself some questions and, uh, and thinking about the answers to those questions, you've discovered some things that the Bible says. Because the Bible says, in the beginning, God. Now again, if you think about it a little bit further, you think, wow, this, this universe is pretty big. <laughs> it's pretty big. God must be pretty big. <laughs> you know, God must be pretty powerful. In fact, God must be pretty awesome. That's what the Bible says. It goes on to talk about that sort of stuff. You know, we've, we've got a God who is outside of time, so the Bible talks about the fact that God is eternal. And so we, we, even without the Bible, we didn't have the Bible, there's enough evidence if, we, if we're willing to think that we're going to come somewhere close to the truth about how we got here and what sort of God that we actually serve. You getting this? 
You know, the Bible says that we're all without excuse at the end of the day. There's enough stuff around about us that's going to ultimately will, will condemn us if we're not careful. Because we're not going to be able to say, God, you weren't there. God will say, you knew I was here. You just wanted me not to be here. You stuck your head in the sand and said, I hope it's all right. Because all the evidence said I was here. Okay, so that's, that's the first thing. We're talking about origins. Okay, we're talking about how we got here. But how we got here then affects how we live here. Because again, if, and I've already really written it off. I'm saying if is stupid, really. But it, let's just say if. If that was real. And somehow we got here from nothing. With no cause for this effect called humanity and the universe. If that actually happened. We need to look at the issue of identity. Who are we? What's it all about? Now, Tony's been doing a series about this for the last four weeks in the morning, and we'll continue it for a little while yet. So I would encourage you, if you want to know more about identity and who you are, come and have a listen. Grab an MP3 off, off the, the website or get your iPod or whatever and, and have a listen to that because it's going to cover it in far more um, detail than I am tonight. But again, just, just a couple of things. So if... We are the product of purely natural processes. We're just purely natural. You and I are just essentially glorified machines. Okay, your body is made up of various chemical compounds, and there's a whole bunch of little electrical impulses floating around, you know, shooting around inside making you do stuff. But at the end of the day, you are just a glorified machine, along with all the other glorified machines on this planet, be they, you know, like all, this, all the animals and, and the plant life and all that sort of, but, it, but there's no real meaning or purpose behind it. You are just a product of random chance and process. That's, that's the bottom line, if we happen without God. The Christian worldview, if we come back to what the Bible tells us, and we come back really to what the evidence is showing us, is that we got here from God. The Bible gives us a little bit more information and tells us that God said, let us create man in our image. So you and I are not just purely natural. We have a physical body, yes. But there's more to us than just our physical body. Your physical body is continually changing. You are not the same person physically as you were a year ago. All of your cells have died and moved on, and you've got new ones replaced. Every part of your body is new. But you are still the same person. There's a part of you that is not dependent upon the physical. You could call it a spirit. You could call it a soul. People have different, you know, people define it differently. But at the end of the day, there's a spiritual or a supernatural part of who you are. So you are not just a, a, physical, a natural being. Now, that has massive ramifications. We'll have a look at those in a minute. The other thing is about who you are and your identity, as Tony's mentioned, is the fact that we are valuable. If God created us, he created us for the purpose, we are valuable. And our value is just dependent on the fact that we are, that we exist, not because of what we do. In this worldview over here, the prevailing worldview, and again, I'm throwing a few ideas together because we live in a world that's kind of, it's multicultural, and there's a whole lot of sort of ideas that are sort of blending together, and, and they just create what I'm calling the prevailing worldview. Okay, the general ideas that are coming through it and bombarding us all the time through the media, through the universities, etc., etc., in our political system, through our legal system, there's certain ideas that are continually coming through. Okay, so basically, um, when it comes to value, if you're here by accident, what value have you got? I mean, you might have value to me if you can do something for me. I might value you 
while you're young enough and strong enough or smart enough to help me out, that's value for, you know, that's, you could quantify that, I guess. But at the end of the day, who cares? When you've, you, when you've reached your use by doubt, outside, too bad, buddy. Too bad. You have no value. You have no value to me. You have no value to anyone else in real terms. Someone might want to, you might be valued by someone, but no, it's just a lie. It's a joke. It's not real because nothing has any meaning. You're created by nothing, by accident, and so it doesn't really, you have no real value as opposed to if God created you. So we are natural and we are supernatural and we are valuable. The third thing that we are is responsible. Again, if we are just purely natural, if we are just a whole bunch of chemical compounds held together and, and with a few electrons, uh, electrical impulses shooting around, are we really responsible? Or are we just the product of the chemical reactions that are taking place in our body and the environment in which we're placed at any given moment? Sounds a bit much, doesn't it? Sounds a little bit, oh, bending my mind now. But that's, bottom line, you take away all the, all the, all the that, that's really what is, that's the only alternative. If there is no God, if there is not a spiritual part of you, you are just a product of the chemical reactions taking place in your body. Are your thoughts really your thoughts? And if you were going to do them anyway, because you have no say over your body, can you be held accountable? God holds us accountable. God says there's a part of us that exists outside of whatever's going on in our body, whatever's going on in our family, whatever's going on in our environment, whatever we've eaten, however much sleep we have or hadn't had, and all those sort of things that can affect our actions. God says, no, there's a part of you that I'm going to hold accountable. There's a part of you that is going to give an account to me one day. Because you have the right, you are created in my image, you have the ability to make choices. In the beginning, God chose to make this world. He chose to make this universe. And in God's image, we have choices. They are real choices. Real choices gives us real accountability. Now again, that's perhaps a little bit pie in the sky and highfalutin and we're talking a bit philosophically, but how does that work in everyday life? Think about it like this. We are living in a society at the moment that has been shredded by the prevailing worldview over the last 50. We used to live in a Christian worldview by and large. And our laws and our moral codes and, and our interaction with one another reflected that, that Christian worldview that was held by and large. It was the prevailing worldview back then. You're talking 50, 60, 70 years ago. You know, people got married. People stayed together. People treated a certain, each other a certain way. It was pretty black and white in terms of what was right, what was wrong. There was consequences if you did things right. All that sort of stuff was the, the norm. Today, we're living in a society where, you know, our relationships are all over the place. Promiscuity is, is just promoted all the time on TV. Marriage at the same time is being devalued. And so family life is hectic. Many families are... are not a single family anymore. You've got blended families or you've got single parents. And so family life is messed up. You've got, at the same time, we've taken away you know, the Bible out of schools and we no longer value 
We don't have anything sort of holding us together cohesively as a society anymore because we've, we've embraced multiculturalism that says all things are equally valid. You know, you say potato, I say potato, whatever. You say whatever religion's true and I've just got to agree with you. I can't disagree with you because tolerance has become at the expense of truth and so on and so forth. And so as a practical example, if we look at the area of parenting just for a moment. There, that's the background, all right? We've got families that are not operating as they should. And we've got little Johnny who goes along to school and messes up in class. He does it on the first day, he does it on the second day, he does it on the third day, he does it on the fourth day, he does it on the fifth day, he does it for a whole bunch of days. And eventually someone steps in and says, oh, we've got to do something about Johnny. So they send him along to a doctor. And Johnny gets diagnosed. Because the doctor has been to university, and he knows that real, see, we're just a product of what's going on in our body. We're a product of the chemical reactions happening in our body. So he will do one of two things. He will, he will medicate, or he'll, he may not medicate, but he will give a diagnosis and, and label a little child with a condition. It might be ADD, ADHD, it might be ODD. What's you know, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. What's ODD? Oppositional Defiance Disorder is the latest one. Oppositional Defiance Disorder. I had that as a kid. About five minutes till Dad knocked it out of me. And Tony had it a bit more than me. Actually, it used to come and go in our house. But seriously, you know, look, I, I don't want to belittle or, or kind of be harsh on parents that have had, got kids that have got diagnosed, but I'm just saying that we need to be careful because if we're not careful, we embrace a worldview that says everything is predetermined and you are not responsible for your actions. You can blame your genetic makeup. You can blame this or you can blame that. And if, you, if it happens when you're a child and then you become a man, then you blame the drink or you blame the drugs, or you blame the guy who cut you off in the car, or whatever. And we're he continually heading towards a society where people aren't accepting responsibility. Even our legal system, to a degree, is, is supporting that view. And we're looking for, you know, the victims these days are the victims. They, they don't seem to be getting justice for the most part. And the Bible says that the women withhold, oh, I can't remember how it says, <laughs> it talks about withholding justice, you know, and people, women withhold justice... <laughs> Everyone gets really frustrated. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? You know, when a young girl gets raped and the guy gets a slap on the wrist because he was intoxicated or he was on drugs or he had a bad upbringing, and then the father goes in and gets a shotgun and shoots the guy who raped his daughter, that's what the Bible talks about. That's the sort of stuff that happens when justice is withheld. People take the law into their own hands. That's what it was. When justice is withheld, people take the law into their own hands. And we're living in a society like that where people are having excuses made for them. So we come back to the little fella who's got all the problems and he's defiant and he's selfish and he's argumentative and he's angry. That's, that's a reality for him. But... Let's put it in the context of all the other stuff. We live in a society where it's almost illegal in our country, it's illegal in parts of the world to smack your child. We've taken a biblical worldview out. So, so discipline, you know, the Bible is untrue and irrelevant and bad. 
Therefore, discipline, which is found in the Bible, is also untrue, irrelevant, and bad. So don't hit your kids, whatever you do. Don't apply consequences to their life. Try and befriend them. Try and talk them around. Give them a bit of time out. Trouble is, time out's in their room with the PlayStation, so it's not really... This is how our worldview affects our life. I don't know, if I was a parent, now I'm a parent, I've got five kids. <laughs> Nearly forgot I was a parent. Because my kids are so good, never do anything wrong. <laughs> but, you know, you front up to the doctor, and the doctor says, your, your little fella, sorry, he's, he's got ODD. Oppositional defiance disorder. Like as a parent, how do I feel? Do I feel like, oh, that's all right, we'll knock that out of him? <laughs> or do I feel like, more, more than likely, I feel like it's hopeless. It's been hard enough already. Why waste my time? It's hard being a parent. It, it seems like he's got this disorder anyway. All I'm going to do is, you know, my best efforts are only going to very likely make a very small difference because he's got a disorder, for goodness sake. And so it, so it deflates parents. It takes away their will to try and work with their child and to bring into place some things that are perhaps missing. As a Christian parent, as a, from a Christian worldview, again, we don't want to deny the realities that are out there. And certainly, you know, there are some conditions, no doubt, which are there's chemical imbalances in people's lives and all that sort of stuff, for sure. But again... We can't take responsibility away from people. If we take responsibility away from people, we put them on the same plane as animals. Animals act by instinct. I think I've used this illustration before, but you know, lady dog, male dog. You know what happens? It's instinct, just goes for it. There's no relationship, there's no how you go, there's no dating. It's just like instinct. Basic instincts take over. And they just do what dogs do. And the trouble is today we've got many people doing what dogs do. Just being led by the inside. I couldn't help it. I don't want my girls in a car with a guy whose parents have given up on trying to teach him responsibility. He'll just do what comes naturally. But that's what we're breeding. Again, it's a worldview issue at the end of the day. Do we have responsibility or don't we? I mean, I've got all of my kids have got different things that they react to. Samuel, give him chocolate, he's got a smack within three minutes. Guaranteed. <laughs> Bless him. But he just can't, just can't handle his chocolate, the boy. <laughs> See, I'm joking, it's true. He just like goes off the dial almost immediately. Says something stupid, does something stupid. <laughs> so I can do one of two things. We can blame the chocolate, smack the chocolate. No, that was... I can protect him from chocolate for the rest of his life, which probably isn't going to happen. Or I can try and teach him the link and say, but you're responsible. So, no, you're not going to have chocolate because of what happened last time. If you want chocolate, you've got to show me that you can be self-controlled. And so if he can have chocolate and control, it's, not, it's harder for him than if he wasn't whatever he is to chocolate, but he can do it. I remember having a Barney once with one of my other child children, who shall remain nameless, and just off the dial, and um, talking about self-control. I said, I can't control myself, yeah. <laughs> and just, just get going off and, you know, ranting and raving. 
And, and I thought, okay, here we go. So I said, I went and knocked on the door. I said, oh, are your friends at the door? Instantly, you know, tears stop, comes out. Oh, you can, you've got self-control. You can do it. By the way, your friend's not really at the door. Don't, don't have the wall pulled over your eyes, fight. You know, what we believe, where we came from, affects directly what we believe in terms of our identity. Don't rob yourself, don't rob your kids or your friends of the ability to be, the right to be fully human. Seriously, as humans, we have moral responsibility. We are accountable for our actions. We have choices. Let's not make it harder for our kids. Look, some, some, ki- look, you know, some kids, like I said, may well have a condition that you need to work with and work around. But don't withhold nev- negative consequences. Think, oh, well, they can't help it. Bless them. Poor little things. I won't, won't smack them. It's, what they did is really bad. You know, they put their sister through the TV and, you know, but oh, it wasn't their fault. You know, it was, it was the chocolate. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're letting our kids get away with murder if we, think if, if we attribute everything to disorder and we, and we remove responsibility from their lives. We've got to teach them. Just on that, you know, there's just the basics. Let's do the basics first because I think, you know, this whole ODD thing, the scary thing is that the estimation is in America that one in 16 kids has got ODD. What hope is there for the world if one in 16 of us are excused for our bad behavior? for being antisocial, disagreeable, selfish, etc., etc. I mean, all kids have got that. Yeah. The majority of them have, you know. So, as parents, let's not start there. Let's treat our children as little people, created in the image of God, who have the ability to make good choices in life. Make sure they've got enough sleep. If you can, have a family that is stable. Have a mum and a dad. Stay together for the sake of your kids. They will thank you for it. Sometimes that's not possible. Things have already happened. But if you're in the midst of stuff happening, do whatever you can to make it work. You know, it's one of the lies of this other worldview is it's all about you. Whatever makes you happy. If leaving makes you happy, do it. No. A Christian worldview talks about living sacrificially, living for the sake of others. My dad lived for the sake of me and Tone and Baz when we were growing up. In the midst of a marriage that was not enjoyable. And we thank God for it. I, I, to be honest, you know, the whole argument about, oh, kids, it's bad for kids to see their parents fighting. We grew up in a house, we believed in flying saucers. We saw them. I tell you, my life, I, I lived with it. I, you know, I got over it. I got over hearing raised voices. I, got over, I didn't like it, but I got over it. And I'm so thankful, and I love my mum and my dad, and I'm so appreciative they stuck together. If dad had gone, I don't know where I would be on where Tone or Baz would be today. But he made a choice based not on himself, but on us. And so if it's within your power, to make your marriage work for the sake of the kids, do it. Make sure your kids get enough sleep. Make sure they've got some routine as much as you possibly can. And we live a very unroutine life, and some of it probably shows in our kids, but where we can, we want to have some routines in place so they know where they stand. Watch what they eat. So much, I believe, of what kids eat today is detrimental. It does have an effect on them. And so if you're feeding your kids, you know, red cordial like it's going out of fashion and 
you know, some of the stuff with all the preservatives in it and all the sugar, you know, the reality is you, your child will respond badly and it'll be your fault. They're still, still going to be accountable at the end of the day, but recognize it. Have, you know, withhold. And, and maybe have a, you know, like if you're dieting, you know, you have a, a, a day where you're just kind of a cheat day. Well, give them a cheat day, but prepare for it. Get them out the house and get them running around the place first or whatever. <laughs> so don't succumb. Don't let people live lives that are less than God intended. Who are you? you are cre- we are created in the image of God. We have a physical body, but our physical body is attached to a spirit that is eternal and is, a- is-, is able to make choices and set the course of our life. We are valuable because of that. And God is going to hold us accountable. I think I'm going to finish it there. It's the time. Thank you. The time. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.